welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Um, hi, my name is Nicholas. I'm a, a lust drunk from England. Uh, I'm really glad to be on the call today. Um, I haven't had any time to sort of prepare or think about it. Um, I only heard about this opportunity this afternoon. I'm very grateful to Dennis for putting out the invitation there on the Geek Camp uh, WhatsApp group. And I'm delighted to hear so many members from so many countries uh, on, the, on the call. It's, uh, it's a wonderful, heartwarming experience to know that there are sexaholics in all kinds of different parts of the world. And, um, and you know, I'd like to start there. I, I, am, I am a sexaholic. I, I'm absolutely convinced about that. Um, it's probably more, uh, more accurate to say that I'm a lust addict. I'm, I'm addicted to lust. I'm also addicted to sex and romance and, and, and relationships and, and other kind of associated things. But the bottom line is that I'm addicted to lust. That's to, to wanting stuff that God doesn't have for me. And and to changing my feelings by using uh, by fantasy or by uh, acting out sexually, um, and I uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about you know what happened, what things are like today, and and um, and how I came into recovery. Um, but it's been a long time now since I last acted out. I I haven't had to act out by the grace of God um, for. 20, nearly 23 years. I'm just coming up next uh, 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 next fortnight to um, to 23 years of uh, sobriety, and for that, you know, I am extremely grateful. Um, I know that I couldn't have stayed sober this long uh, uh, without uh, a lot of help, um, and you know, the main source of that has been my higher power and through a connection that I've been able to uh, attain with my higher power as a result of working the program, joining the fellowship, getting a sponsor, and doing service. Uh, but I also couldn't have done it as well without the, the human help that I've received from other people in, in the fellowship. Uh, I have a disease, which is a disease of isolation, which means I, I cannot get well on my own. You know, I can't cure my problem with the same consciousness with which I developed it. Uh, I, I need to recover with other people, you know, and that's where, you know, you are terribly important to me. Um, and that's why I'm so glad to be able just to, just to talk today to other people who I know share my problem. Now, uh, uh, to make things a little bit more interesting for myself, I thought I might talk perhaps about some of the other areas, areas of my uh, addiction and recovery that I haven't really talked about before. Uh, my story is in the um, essay publication Members' Stories, 2007. Uh, it's number chapter 22, 
yet strangely content. So uh, that's the kind of the, you know, the basic story. And I thought I might like just today to talk about a bit more about the whole business of a romantic and, re- and relationship sort of fantasy and how that sort of triggers the lust and how that's connected in with acting out. Um, but, uh, you know, I was sexually abused as a child. I became a compulsive masturbator at the age of um, about 13. And I was a daily masturbator, sometimes de- masturbating, you know, many times a day uh, until um, I, I, I got married. And then my, uh, my disease sort of flipped onto the, into the marriage bed and into acting out with my wife. But there was always sort of pornography in the background and so on. Um, but I, I just wanted to refer to some of the things that were going on on this sort of this romantic obsession sort of front as well, because um, around about the time that I just first discovered masturbation, I also started you know the process, this business of falling in love, um, it's kind of a state of temporary insanity where I have fixed onto some female and sort of kind of made her my higher power, the center of my life. And I'm sort of, I'm, I'm orbiting around her. And, you know, and I, because I'm, I'm far too uh, uh, shy and embarrassed to, uh, to say anything to her. But, you know, where she is and what she's doing are always absolute object of fascination for me. And, um, and uh, then, you know, come, come around the Valentine's Day and I would be, send her a Valentine's card, you know, um, and of course would receive nothing in return. She didn't even know about this uh, uh, in any case. And, and now, you know, I'm in total despair because, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't feel the same way about me as I do about her. But that, the thing was I, was, I was completely unable to be in contact with, uh, with, uh, with, with females. It was so just... I was just uh, too shy, too self-centered, and um, uh, and yet there would be this huge thing in my head, this huge sort of secret thing in my head. Um, and uh, I remember uh, on one occasion going to a um, uh, a sort of a, a, a like a school dance um, and dancing with a uh, a girl who was in my sister's class at her school. Um, I went to an all boys school; she went to an all girls school, and um, and I. Uh, you know, I, there'd been a, a sort of a, a drink of punch or something beforehand, so I'd had a little bit of alcohol as well. And I remember having a dance with this girl and then walking out onto the balcony. And uh, it was like the whole of the sky was lit up with stars and sun and the smells and the sights and everything had sort of come into focus. And I, began, I now understand that basically my, my brain had become literally satiated with chemicals that my, I had generated inside myself simply from having a dance with this attractive young woman. Well, of course, then I needed to know where she was going to be next Tuesday and, you know, well, well, you know and, and how did she feel about me? And so I sent my sister off to school the next day to find out, you know, if this girl liked me. And my sister came back with the sad news, and no, she didn't. And I was in tears. I mean, I must have been about 14 years old, something like that, you know, and I was inconsolable, sobbing out loud, because this (laughs) complete stranger, who was rather attractive to look at, and I'd had one dance with, and it sort of changed the whole chemical structure of my brain, now wasn't, you know, didn't, didn't, you know, hadn't hadn't thought me worthy of of her attention. Um, Now, 
it so happened that later on, shortly after my father died, we did we did actually become she did become my girlfriend, and um, and you know I pursued a passionate relationship with her for for, for two and a half years, and, and these relationships were always they were always um, characterized by me pushing the boundaries, always trying to sort of, you know, uh, touch where I shouldn't touch or, you know, push, 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 push all the time, trying to get more. And then there was the, the secret masturbation behind the scenes as well. And, uh, of course, which, you know, I wouldn't want her to know about, I wouldn't want anyone else to know about. So that had to be, that was all terribly secret with, you know, draw the curtains, make sure nobody knew about it, hide the pornography, clear up the mess afterwards, you know. And, and so that was all, um, there were like two lives I was living. This, you know, uh, this, what more honorable, what I thought of as more honorable, noble, sort of, I'm in love, she's a beautiful princess, and it's all magic and wonderful. Uh, but on the other hand, I've got this pornography thing going in the background. Now, the problem with the romantic fantasy I found is that after a while, it would start to, the, 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 the effect in my brain would start to diminish and I would become less um, intoxicated. And then I'd start looking around for someone to sort of succeed you know n number two a rain check somebody else to sort of slip into place when that one stopped working and so on and um and i remember i mean and it did get quite ridiculous i remember at one time you know i was dating three different girls this was all before i was you know you know before i'd left school i dating three different girls and they all turned up at my house at one time at the same time unexpectedly you know and it was like uh, um, it was like a kind of a, a television farce. I was I was sort of like pushing people into cupboards so they wouldn't meet each other and shoving people out the back door. And <laughs> it was complete complete nightmare. Uh, all because I wanted to have this buzz. I wanted to have this hit. And um, and 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 the biggest one was when I uh, the occasion that I met my first wife, which was I was in Kenya. I was out there. With my with the army on on exercise, and we'd uh, we'd 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 had the band out there, and we'd played a ceremony called beating the retreat, and then we'd gone to a disco um, in the uh, in the sports club. Uh, I apologise for that. That's my that's my landline ringing. I should have uh, taken the trouble to switch that off beforehand. And do that. Um, and. Um, Can you can you still hear me, Dennis? Okay. Yes, we can. Go ahead. You're doing. Yeah, you're doing very good. Thank you. I, okay. And uh, I I had a few drinks um, before this uh, dance started, and I saw a complete stranger um, uh, walked up and asked her for a dance, and I was very very forward with her on the dance floor. I mean, really badly behaved, and. Um, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure what her name was. It was some kind of foreign name. She was from Austria or something like that. And, but and, uh, I didn't really care. It was just I was just indulging in a chemical experience. Now I've got some alcohol in my head, and I am now being very forward with this this person on the dance floor. And uh, and, and suddenly I, this thought came into my head. <laughs> it was she's much too nice for you. So I suddenly, I, I sort of let go of her, 
and stepped back and said, excuse me, I have to leave. And I walked out. And I remember her, the look on her face. It was like um, the sort of shock, really. What, you know, what's going on here? And I walked out, and I walked out into the African uh, evening, into the African night. And it was, again, the stars, the sounds, the crickets. It was my whole life was just transformed into this magic quality. I got the mixture of alcohol and lust just right, you know. Now, and that would have been the end of it. But this young lady managed to find out who I was and managed to get a, a letter to me. We started a passionate correspondence. We started writing to each other. I used to write these 12-page letters every day. Now, you can imagine how long it takes to write that, a 12-page letter every day to this complete stranger in a foreign country. And I've gone back to the UK now. She's in Austria. She's gone back to Austria. And, I, and we're writing these passionate letters to each other. And I am persuading myself that this is the woman for me. So when I eventually got around to meeting up with her, you know, I more or less decided that you know, she was the one. This was it. And we were going to get married. And we did get married. And effectively, the marriage lasted about two weeks. Because it was a fantasy. It was all going on in my head. The whole thing. The, the letters I was writing to her, that, uh, you know, that, those chemicals that I was creating, they were all about me and my history. Not really about this, this real life, fresh and blood human being. And in fact, we, we managed to sort of keep the thing going for about two years, which involved included a, a sort of a six-year, a six-month uh, separation. And we, you know, but in the end, after two years, it was clear that it was just not going to work. So, you know, we got divorced. I then subsequently married again. And that marriage lasted seven years. And that failed, too. And it was after that that I was 12-stepped. And I was 12-stepped into another S-fellowship. I realized I had a problem with lust and sex and also with this romance and relationship thing, that I was a world-class lust addict. And, and um, it took me uh, a further four years uh, in, in recovery in that S-fellowship to find SA, um, uh, five years actually. So I've, I've actually been, yes, um, I've been in S-recovery coming up for 28 years now. But I only count my... Um, my essay sobriety because that's when I count my lust sobriety. It was at the time that I committed myself to no sex outside marriage that I actually really understood that I couldn't afford to be entertaining uh, lustful thoughts. I couldn't afford to be looking around, you know, voyeuring. Uh, I couldn't afford any kind of exhibitionism or you know sneaky looks at pornography or it had to be it had to be a squeaky clean sobriety if I was going to avoid acting out um, and and the only way that I could see that happening is if I was committed to no sex outside marriage and I didn't want to make that decision but in the end I made it and when I made it it's like I stepped onto 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 rock onto onto solid um, spiritual ground and and I've been continuously sober since then now that means that I have not acted out uh, with myself or with anyone else for nearly 23 years I also have been lust sober during that time now what do I mean by that 
Okay, I mean that for nearly 23 years, I have never intended to lust. That's been in a situation where I have said, I'm going to lust after this person, or I'm going to indulge, I'm now going to indulge, actively indulge in a sexual fantasy. I've never done that. Thank God, by the grace of God. I've also never fully consented to lust. I've never been in a situation where I've said, bring it on. I'm just going to give in to this now. I'm going to let this, all this lust wash over me and wash into me. I'm going to, I'm going to suck it in. Uh, now, that's what I mean by lust sobriety. I've never intended it, nor have I fully consented to it. Now, there have been occasions when I have partially consented, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little second look or third look or even fourth or fifth look. You know, I mean, there's been some consent, but it's always been against my will because my will is set against lust. My will is set towards sexual sobriety, lust sobriety. That's what I want, and that's what I've been able to obtain. Um, And... I don't know. I'm just so grateful because I think that that, that that is, to my mind, that's what being recovered in our fellowship means. That the, my will has always been against lust. Uh, at no time have I intended it or fully consented to it. And so that's really what, in a sense, you know, I would, I would, um, uh, I would want you to have as well. Um, does it mean I'm not tempted? Absolutely not. I'm tempted most days. I'm tempted either to indulge a sexual thought that's just come into my mind, a fantasy start or something, or or to look. Um, And I've learned, you know, in recovery, I've learned the sort of tools for, for dealing with temptation. Because I know that with a temptation, the sooner I surrender it to God, I'm powerless, please God help me. I'm powerless, please God help me. I'm powerless, please God help me. You just go on saying that. The sooner I do that, the sooner that fantasy will dissipate. It cannot cannot resist that prayer if I go on saying it for long enough. And I've learned other sorts of things. Like, you know, if I see out of the corner of my eye what looks like an interesting sight, I don't look at it to see whether it's something I shouldn't be looking at. I look away. Now, it... It took me years to, 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 to ingrain the habit of looking at women, looking at women all the time. So I've now grooved the opposite habit, which is looking away, looking away. It's what we call custard the eyes. And other little tricks like, you know, I hear the click, click of high heels. Um, and excuse me if that's a trigger for some of you. But, and, and, you know, and I, like, I feel my head begin to turn towards the sound and then my eyes go the opposite direction and my head slowly turns back away from the sound. I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing victory over lust in that moment. And then, and then there's, you know, if I, if I walk past an attractive uh, looking female, I will actually stop breathing through my nose until I'm well past. Why? Because I can be triggered by the smell, the scent. That's another trigger for me. So I've learned that I need to do these things. I need to avoid the occasions of temptation. I need to stay, um, to stay away from things that I know can trigger me. 
And this is the big difference between I'm I'm also in uh, another fellowship when I have some long-term sobriety from alcohol. But if alcohol, I know I have to I would have to pick up a bottle or a glass and and lift it to my lips. But it's not like that with lust. With lust, I can do it instantly without moving a muscle. I could be drunk on lust, just like that. I have a filing cabinet full of pornographic images which I collected in my, in my, in my childhood, uh, and it's in my head. And if I wanted to, I can go into that cabinet and I can get drunk. But I choose to keep that cabinet shut today. And, you know, because I'm getting on a bit now, I'm just uh, had my 69th birthday uh, um, uh, last week. Um, and I, uh, my, my memory is beginning to fade. But I tell you, I know these images are still there, you know. And if I wanted to, I could get drunk on them. So I have to daily you know, work on that uh, surrendering temptation. Okay, now I've, 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 I've gone on for quite a while, and I know there are other people on the call, so I, I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm just so grateful to be sober. I just want to encourage you, this program really works. We have a solution to lust in SA, uh, but we have to work. We have to get a, join the fellowship, get a sponsor, work the steps, and do service. And if we do all four of those things, join the fellowship, get a sponsor, work the steps, and do service, then it, it's, the solution will work. If it doesn't, please contact me. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.